0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Retail Journey. Today, we have the one and only Jack Ford, Vice President of Consumer Products at Heart, TTI. And we'll be talking about disrupting categories and partnering with Walmart. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Greathouse, and to my left, the better host, James Harris. (laughs) We're glad you're here with us today. Welcome to The Retail Journey, Jack.
1: Thank you, James. Charles, good to be here. Good to meet you today. Uh, before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. Uh, I've been uh, in Bentonville for about 15 years and was doing Walmart sales and marketing even before that. So when I when I started working after college, I um, was calling on Home Depots and calling on stores and got an opportunity to move to Milwaukee for a little bit. And we were part of a, a new Rubbermaid division. It was a paint applicator, so paint brushes and rollers. Very exciting. Yeah, there you uh, go. Sundries. Great opportunity to move to, to Milwaukee from Dallas, and um, but our largest account was Walmart at the time. And after working there a while, I got an opportunity to move to uh, to Bentonville in two thousand five. Basically doing the same thing, um, but at the at the sales office here. And so once I got here. I quickly realized we didn't want to be anywhere else, you know, great community. Mm-hmm. It's only gotten better uh, and continues to do so. 15
0: years. There's a little bit of change. That's right. A lot, a lot of change in Bentonville. Just a bit. Um,
2: and then, you know, of course I'd, I've done what maybe half of the community has done down here and had an opportunity to ki- try a couple different things with different suppliers. So after 12 years at Newell, I went to Johnson and Johnson, spent five years there on the OTC business and, Really cool experience there about learning brands, national launches, and getting behind more consumer insights, driven selling. And um, then I think what we'll talk about more today, I had a very unique run-in uh, at the home office and was sort of pulled into the opportunity that was heart before it was even really an opportunity. It was very early days. I bumped into our global president, who this thing wasn't even started at the time, but he basically said he had a confidential partnership that they were working through with Walmart and they were building a team here. And he said, Hey, if, if you're ever interested in leaving Johnson Johnson and just doing something different. And he put it a little bit differently than that. He was, <laughs> um, you know, maybe selling me a little bit on the opportunity, but he said, um, you know, just call me because we're going to be thinking about building out a team and knowing him and knowing what the opportunity probably was in terms of just scale I got excited and, you know, it was a lot less about where I was and more about where I wanted to be. And I think it took me about 30 minutes and I called him and I said, Stephen, I got to know, man, what are you working on? And he, uh, he, he couldn't tell me at the time what that was. He said, we're under a confidentiality agreement and we, we can't really go through that right now, but let me get you signed into the NDA and I'll see if I can call you maybe in a week or so. And the way that we work at TTI, if you take a week to do something, um, you're being questioned on why you're so slow. So he called me Saturday morning at like seven thirty and he said, All right, I called the lawyers. We got it signed this morning. We're ready to go. And from there, it was I had a job offer on Sunday. So it took about three days to wow. to get signed in. So <laughs> got exciting. got pretty pretty lucky in when I met him or bumped into him and uh, you know, quickly moved
1: into the to the role and learned more about what was going to happen. So, for <clears throat> the listeners that may not be familiar with Heart, what uh, what product categories are you in? Yeah, we are
2: a uh, we're a tool company. So, Heart is part of Tectonic Industries (TTI), and it's now the largest power tool company in the world. We have a industrial side, which is Milwaukee. Uh, that's our largest business and really a big. Uh, fuel for innovation within the industry, and certainly helps us on the consumer side. We also do uh, a couple uh, exclusive brands at Home Depot, Ryobi, and Ridgid. We make all their power tools as well. Awesome. And so that scale, that expertise is kind of what you know instilled a little bit of trust with Walmart in terms of partnering to try to get a little bit more serious. And the the terminology we use a lot with Walmart is trying to build credibility. So that customers have a lot more trust when they're in the stores and online and, you know, trying to choose what platform they're about to jump into. Because the name of the game in this industry is getting into the, and I'm using air quotes here, platform or Mm -hmm. the network, because these batteries that run these tools, they work across a a large, you know, uh, assortment of tools. So we want to get more customers early in their shopping journey, particularly young you get young families who are maybe buying their first home right they need a lawnmower string trimmer a drill and then they're in our system forever which is really the idea so we but to answer your real question it's it's power tools but also outdoor lawn equipment um everything from mowers and blowers and to, to on the on the tool side drills we also do some other things within the brand as well pressure washers and generators and things like that
1: okay that's a fascinating concept. There's not a lot of categories that once you buy in, you kind of need to stay there, right? For all of the materials, oh, yeah. to- it's
2: it's a razor razor blade, yeah. Uh, except the difference is, you know, imagine if Gillette said we're only going to sell to Walmart, or you know, and, and then you get a customer who's absolutely hooked in and has to go back to that retailer. So that the exclusivity of the brand is great for us because we want to keep people in it. The mm-hmm. the end user. But you know our partnership with Walmart is what really makes makes it magic and allows them to separate themselves from the rest of the market. And so there's brands out there that sell you know across the the, the entire market, but then there's a lot. Ryobi is a great poster child, Craftsman. You see them a
1: little bit outside of Lowe's, but you know there, there's a lot of retailers that are trying to figure this out. And what why is that about this the power tool category in particular that it tends to be at least in large national retailers an exclusive brand yeah I mean it's all about eliminating the need for competition you know it's such a comparative there's no industry
2: there's no price chasing so you have a little you have some some brands that have either historically because of their distribution models they were kind of anniversaried into not having to do that Dewalt is a good example you can buy them anywhere they're selling Amazon now. But then you have a lot of these brands who they've either started or decided to sort of go into a bigger uh, placement and into a more singular retail. So what you'll see, uh, you know, I think in some examples, um, Ego would be one. They do a lot of outdoor power equipment. You could find them a couple of years ago at multiple retailers, and they made a bigger bet at Lowe's. So you don't see them as much in other retailers as well. So is that the.
0: How would you say it? Ego. Ego. I always called it Echo. Echo is also a brand. Okay, so yeah. it's different than Ego. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was like, I don't have a ton of power tool experience, <laughs> uh, but I, I do do Same it with here. heart, uh, where where I do now. And you know, to your point on being locked into the system, had you know the Ryobi battery pack, and it had a you know Father's Day gift from however many years ago you know, a couple of tools and it's way easier to just add something that uses the same battery uh, just from the the price effectiveness. Yep. For me as a as a consumer, when Walmart got hard, I was so pumped to have real good power tools at Walmart. I yeah. mean, that's massively disruptive. I'd love to hear about the the early days, the discussions with Walmart and getting into taking something that really wasn't uh a big deal customers weren't coming to to Walmart for power tools in fact you you're probably still bringing customers yep. in for power tools because now Walmart's seriously in the game
2: yeah absolutely i mean the the early you know sort of conversations around it really stemmed from the fact that um i think Walmart was looking for something that allowed them to get away from the inconsistency of their battery changes in the past so what happens is whether it's a retailer changing because they're trying to get a better value for their customer and they change to a new brand, mm-hmm. if you had bought anything in the past in the previous brands, you're out of luck. You're like, okay, great, Walmart. Well, I just trusted you to buy these tools. Mm-hmm. Now I can't even come back and get replacement batteries. Now I can't even come back and get another tool that works on that same you're gonna battery. going to buy an
0: entirely different system.
2: Or you go... To where they're selling now. Yeah. So I bought, you know, X brand that works on this battery. Walmart doesn't carry anymore. I'm just gonna go buy the rest of my stuff on Amazon or another retailer. And that's really what's you know, Walmart's trying to avoid. And a big part of what we do and we've done this, if you bought as an example, a Ryobi drill 20 years ago and um, you need another battery for it. The batteries today will work on a 20 year old drill. That's so awesome. they're forward and backward compatible and Probably one of the cornerstones of our uh, of our strategy is we never leave a customer behind, yeah. ever. So you can always trust that you will have batteries for the tools you buy today in the future, and tools that you buy in the future will work with any batteries you have sitting yeah. around in the house. Just really like important.
0: how Apple keeps the same charging cord, you know, from phone. To <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, wait. 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 Yeah, no, opposite. they swap that sucker out. Yeah, that's and a, people. You know, it's a mutiny. It's like, what do you mean? I got to buy a. A whole different things i can't plug in so you guys have taken the opposite well in, in a way yeah i mean because we have i mean
2: that that would be one way to say that is like that's planned obsolescence like yeah. so i need I, I can't use my old stuff so i'm going to plan it as a manufacturer i'm going to plan out the future stuff to obsolete the old so i have to buy new stuff and we have to do that a different way we have to do that through innovation so yeah. the only way i can get somebody to buy a new tool is if their old one breaks and they need a new one or our new one is so much better yep. than what they had in the past. Where we have a new tool that solves a different need yeah. that's a little bit unique, and so that's where innovation
1: is our way of, you know, sort of overcoming that. Yeah, that uh, that's a good segue. Where in the in the power tool category or any other category that that Hart operates in, what is the process for innovation or new new items? Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's a, te- te- technology changes. Uh, you know, what what is it that drives the yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's the customer, you know, and Ch- Charles and I actually talked a little bit
2: about this yesterday when we met is yeah. there's there's an amazing amount of data out there that can help you influence what types of products you should bring, how you market it, or how you merchandise it. And, you know, I'd say in general, we like to throw a lot of that out the window. The, the way you find out what innovation needs there are is you just go walk around a job site. Mm-hmm. You, you work with the trades. So on the Milwaukee side in particular, they spend a lot of their time, the product development teams and the engineering teams, they're spending a lot of time in the trades uh, or at the you know the vocation schools and they're finding out like, what, what are you doing or why are you using this tool that wasn't designed to do a certain project? Why are you using it to do this? And then, okay, well, let's come up with a better solution for that. So I think the uh, the acronym is like, management by walking around. It's, it's kind of that same <laughs> yeah. thing or you know, Walmart CBWA,
0: Yeah. coaching by walking
2: around. Right. And so, so that's a lot, what we do, we just spend time with the customers. And so we don't have to go do research to talk about purchase intent and all these other things. Cause we can say, look, we can create this tool. We don't need to tell you that the customer is willing to spend this amount of money for it. They just need it. And in the pro world, uh, how fast you can do the job and how how well you can do it with that tool is all that matters yeah and it's a unique model because pricing also doesn't matter as much either if you're building a skyrise right I don't care if the if I have this new tool it costs twenty thousand dollars yeah I need it because it's going to drive you know 24 inch yeah. lag bolts to secure something right. I'm going to buy something that matters. 24-inch. Yeah, that's inch. not where you cheap out. Oh my God. I just made that up. I have no idea if there's 24-inch lag bolts.
0: <laughs> it Don't. sounded so cool. I was like, yeah. yeah. As oh long man. as there's not a fact checked on here. If anybody <laughs> listening knows if there's a 24-inch lag bolt, let yeah, us know. put yeah. that in the description.
1: It's interesting. You mentioned Milwaukee, though. I have some relatives that are glazers, so you know, glass installers, and, and work, in that, work in that realm with the metal as well. And they're fiercely loyal to Milwaukee. Uh, and it's probably because their boss was loyal to it and they just, that's what they, they grew up on, but it brings up a question uh, for heart. Is it, uh, is, are the, is the brand mostly used in homes? Is it used on job sites? Yeah, it's, it's mostly homes. Um, we kind of have this
2: expression of the prosumer. So somebody who's a consumer, but might do side jobs. It's okay. certainly very capable for that, but we would say, you know, a, a serious DIYer is going to be very happy in, in our brand. And if you start there, you know, anybody that doesn't use the tools frequently uh, is, is also obviously going to be very happy because the performance is going to be there. And then the really unique thing is like we have an opportunity with through innovation and all these other things. We've got the opportunity to connect to the customer in different ways mm-hmm. and in different areas. So if you think about uh, the vacuum category, what if you have a 20 volt stick back, which we do. So you have a lot of different traffic for somebody who might not be buying a drill, Mm. but you can get them into that platform different ways. We've got jackets that you can plug your battery into and they have heating elements. So you have heated Mm. jackets, so you can have a sporting goods or tailgating type thing. So we're, we're trying to connect to the customer a lot of ways. And the more ubiquitous we can be across categories where we, where our brand and the battery platform makes sense, it, it ties it all back and it all again, back to Walmart. So I had a great experience with a stick back. What else can I use this battery on? And I may not be a toolhead and never mm-hmm. want a powered tool, but now I realize that. But you're
1: going to need to hang a picture at some point.
2: Yeah, or I, you know what? I, I like to not have to go to the gas station every time. My tires drop 5 PSI so I can buy an inflator, right. but I can pop this battery in and just keep it in my garage. And it's the same battery that works on, for us, about 120 tools.
1: You had mentioned a minute ago data um, in the context of uh, yeah, looking at data for for what uh, for product innovation in a category like power tools where it's not tracked in Nielsen IRI. Uh, what do you use for data to understand you know the retail market in general, not just Walmart or Lowe's or whomever? Yeah, there's uh usually it's a it's a napkin math sort of approach
2: a lot. <laughs> you know, we we back into things a lot of different ways and and I'd say it's like for the one we do use from a from a um, share perspective is track line and it's directional, but it, it does help us understand are we seeing more customers at Walmart, are we seeing more customers in our platform with with heart than maybe previous brands that they had. So it's it's good directionally. Um, in terms of the market size itself, we have a pretty good indication of what it is because we have a large business at Home Depot, or at least a good position. And and that helps us sort of triangulate some stuff. But as, as Amazon goes and Lowe's, Menards, you know, what's going to go mm-hmm. on, it's really, really hard to get to. And then you get into a situation where, well, what is market? What are we trying to define the market as? Is mm-hmm. it the consumer market where somebody doesn't use this in their trade? Okay, that's great. But the problem is I, we think about, a, well, I don't say a percent, but a large part of our sales for Milwaukee come from people who just want to have the cool stuff, the best stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you have a big part of your industrial business, which we would then say is the pro, but if a big part of that is just people who have potentially a little what bit more income things. or want really good things. Yeah. So now are they considered consumer or not? And, you know, it's interesting to be sort of sometimes want to just look past it. Like how much does it matter? I mean, you do want to measure how your performance has been and ultimately determine if the things you're doing are, are successful. So track lines are best indicator on that. But in terms of understanding the market size, you know, I, I'd I'd be interested to to hear two perspectives on it because I think it can matter for sure because you want to know how big is big and what you can go chase. But if if our goal is to connect with the customers that are in Walmart today, can we double share? Sure. Like, how much does that totally. ultimately
0: represent in dollars? I don't know. Well, when you're disrupting, I mean, you're redefining what can be. So just seeing where it's been doesn't necessarily indicate. I remember buying vitamins. Uh, at the time, Nielsen didn't capture any of the you know specialty food. There was no e-com, uh, natural channel. And those were the areas. Was that 60% of the market? That's where all the <laughs> yeah. growth was. And so when it showed, like, hey, you're you know up more than the rest of the market. It's like, well, I'm up more than the rest of the market that you're tracking. And that's a, a benevolent but ignorant pat on the back saying, you should feel comfortable. And actually, I shouldn't feel comfortable because – Walmart was way behind from what it should be, and we went chasing after it. And uh, fortunately, uh, a couple of those theories were were true, and we were able to, to unlock some significant growth. You know, Walmart in this category was way behind. Uh, and to your point, some of that's changing batteries, not quite dialed into how the, the customer sees this over time. You know, TTI's kind of promise of, like, we're not going to abandon past, Customers who've made the choice to invest um, seems very powerful over time. I love seeing the the focus on the really, really deep uh, dynamic data you get by, you know, Walmart called it CBWA, coaching by walking around, actually visiting people. You get a lot of really uh, deep context and that triangulation. You take that, you take some rest of market, take some actual performance Um You know, with Walmart Luminate, you've got access to now more data than you know anyone really has had before to understand how people are operating and how they're moving, shifting over time. Um, How do you use those stories? What have you seen? You know, whether Newell, J and J, now at heart, you know, taking data and using it effectively to help build confidence in the the depth of a customer theory and then how it might scale.
2: Yeah, I think Luminate's probably a good starting point on that cuz it it is new to us and I think the the information in there is extremely relevant mm-hmm. and how we're going to use it is going to sort of evolve. We're we're only a couple months into it, but it's been really interesting to understand as an example penetration. So we know Walmart's traffic or their customer base has grown and what percent of those customers are certain categories or departments. Attracting and earning their business? Is that as a percent growing or shrinking? And those are things to us that indicate a little bit of the awareness, either issues or opportunities or successes that we've had. So that's where we've started to lean in on is you've got the general population coming into Walmart and the general population buys our stuff. So if we can just figure out how to tell more of them that you sell really great tools, mm. then we think we've got an opportunity yeah. to attract them early. Uh, we had this conversation this week with Walmart, and I thought it was a really good point that uh, that one of our senior merchants uh, brought up. But he just said, you know, we're really focused on the young family because if we can get them early, then their their journey is, is going to be with us for a long time. And, I mean, that, that all feels really obvious. Right. Yeah.
0: It's hard to go backwards once you've got... That Riobi yeah. uh, Ryobi battery pack.
2: That's right. But the fact that we can see that now and measure it, now yeah. we can understand, okay, well, how do we determine to how, how we how can we do better? You know, what what are those things that we have to go do together? And quite frankly, that's where we have a I'd say a pretty unique partnership with Walmart where we're trying to hold each other accountable to attracting those customers. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, a traditional sense, Walmart's a house of brands. And because we have everything, just you just Come on over and we'll have what you need. Mm-hmm. I don't need to promote a particular brand. You don't very often see at a national level Walmart supporting any particular brand, right? They're staying on on message with their EDLC, mm-hmm. Save Money, Live Better, and that's great. Um, we're not used to that, so we're kind of learning that Walmart's not going to change. And you think about a, any Depot TV ad you've ever seen, you probably would be really hard-pressed to see them do a commercial without RYOBI in it. I mean, they are they are interconnected, mm-hmm. and
0: we're not going to have that. So, how do we? Talk? Which makes sense because the customer that has bought into Ryobi can only get it at right. Home Depot. And, and and at
2: Depot, if you're walking into that store for almost anything, you probably own a power tool. So yeah, it, it's it's fundamental to their success that tools and paint and all those other you know sort of core categories that are attainable. Like they're not going to go talk about you know some of their lumber that might be you know unique for building a certain home or something like that that that's not going to attract the right. customer the same way but that's who their customer is you know we certainly have a unique challenge at Walmart with you know they we've got to I shouldn't say rise above the noise but they're they're a different merchant so we have to think about how do we within that general merchandise environment how do we attract and become get customers aware of our brand and maybe more importantly, from a category perspective, and this is the challenge to us at Walmart, is how do we get more people aware of the category?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that starts with, for us, trust. Mm-hmm. You know, That's where we came in with heart was because I think collectively, we felt like, along with Walmart, there there may have been some trust issues, whether that was because they had changed platforms and the customer didn't trust that they could stay into a walmart brand that they could get those batteries and tools for later Mm -hmm. there was also you could argue there was some questionable quality things going on i mean i think most of that's way in the rearview mirror walmart's done a great job with quality um really since i've
0: been calling on them it's it's been such mm -hmm. a focus i remember even just trying to get someone to buy an organic herbal supplement if we're selling scissors that break you know the third day you're using them You're not going to trust something that you have such an intimate relationship with. You're putting it in your body, and I think that's been true. Which is why the the step change and the focus on not just price but value and trust being our most valuable uh, Walmart's most valuable asset. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, it's you know in terms of like what might be a unique part
2: of our partnership with Walmart. I would say the quality thing is is a really interesting one for me because I'd never done this in my past, but we we meet quarterly with their quality team that leads hard lines. And we have people specifically in hmm. um, the, the, the D11 tool space, but we also meet with their other departments they're in. So we have these quarterly meetings and we review a lot of things. We don't just review reviews online. We don't just review the defective and return rates. We look at um latest reviews so if you think about a product that launches what Mm -hmm. are the first hundred reviews they get well they're bought and paid for right (laughs) so you got to look at the last and so so there's that there's like okay you always have bought and paid for reviews that are early so now now an item's been in market for 18 months you got to look at the last six months or last year to get those organic reviews okay let's talk about an item that's been in the market for three years has quality shifted up or down so Mm -hmm. What might be, if you look at the amount of reviews on an item, two thirds of them might be more than a year old, and so you got to look at the more recent ones to yeah.
1: determine has there been a change in quality. Otherwise, you keep reviewing the same reviews. That's right. Do <laughs> you so, ever go uh, after
0: customers that you know bought it three years ago and, and ask them to give a review? Uh, we we can a little bit, but you, you also can't right
2: now with Walmart. I mean, there's no way to connect back to a customer to ask them to put a review in um, if it's an organic buy. And in fact, one of the things that we're still trying to figure out with Walmart is if somebody leaves a negative review and let's say it's a, it's an honest and, and it's a legitimate review. We would like them to reach out to our customer service to solve it. And we also find sometimes negative reviews are not applicable to the product quality. Like, Hey, this thing didn't ship. It was supposed to be here in two days and I didn't get it. Right. And we have one star for that. So how, can we remove that? I don't know. That's um, that's yeah. not really my concern as much as let's talk to the customer. And we can't do that. You know, yeah. you can close the loop on Amazon and get back in touch with those customers. Would like to be able to do more of that with Walmart, and I would think we'd get there eventually. But
0: yeah, close that loop is is powerful. Yeah,
2: and with WMC, there there are certainly opportunities to close the loop and target the right audience. Yeah. So I think there's more opportunities to talk to them about the new stuff, but yeah. you're
0: not engaging them to share their experiences. If if they happen to be a customer perception panelist, you could you could actually you know survey those that you know bought something a couple of years ago. But I, used to. that's
2: actually an interesting question. I do wonder on that yeah. customer perception if you could target people who have left reviews. You absolutely can.
0: Yeah. Oh, all right. I yeah. just learned. Talk to your uh, Walmart. <laughs> I should have brought a people. pen. I have um, to
2: listen to my own podcast to remember yeah. this. So <laughs> yeah,
1: speaking no. of reviews, and you'd mentioned earlier, how do we tell more of this general population that's in Walmart that Walmart sells great tools? Uh, kind of leads into omni channel what uh what what impact has omni had to your business you know going from purely a brick and mortar to now an e-com and brick and mortar environment and is that a vehicle for making that making that message to the shoppers yeah
2: um you know i think I'd, i i don't want to say it's the message but it's it's our it's a very very core fundamental to how we're going to be able to talk to our customer i mean in-store merchandising mm-hmm. is you know, depending on who you talk to, it's, it's pretty minimal effect. And, mm-hmm. um, so in terms of like how it shifted, well, I'll start with that one. When we first started, we had three people dedicated to walmart.com and that was setting up items and helping with getting products seated in the reviews, but it was also what goes into the FCs, what goes uh, on the DSV and all these other things. The, I shouldn't say the problem, but the, the evolution of the merchant was that got rolled in. Mm-hmm. So now we have merchants that are doing both, and you know my team calling on them. Like, are we doing any good? That that conversation flows between brick and mortar and .com, and every time it goes to .com, we're like, well, hold on, that's not me. I, I got to have you talk to somebody else, right? So what we ultimately decided to do was to merge that as well. Like, we've got to meet. Our responsibilities have to mirror the mm-hmm. merchants. We gotta make it easy for them. We don't need them to have to navigate complexities within our business. So we change our business model and the way we're structured to support them in a better way. So we are now omni salespeople. And that's the way that we're gonna have to be. And um, you know, depending on the size of the business and you know, like that model doesn't exist really anywhere else for us within TTI. Okay. So we have to Sometimes do a little bit more, or so not have, have, yeah, yeah. We don't have the, we don't have the, like functional expertise set up, and so you know my team, and we're we're kind of evolving this, but like my team does item three hundred and sixty, and we we don't create the content, we get it from marketing, but we're uploading all of that mm-hmm. stuff, and so does that make us uh, use a lot of time on those activities? Yes, but it also makes us very connected to the process and to understanding what is meaningful, what's impactful. Um, not just with the merchants but ultimately with the customers like what what content makes sense you know yeah. what does oh this video did great we're seeing really good results from that so it's it's definitely gotten us more informed and makes our relationship with the buyers i don't know if it's stronger but certainly you know more more relevant and faster
1: and it, 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 a buyer or not the you know we, we know now that shoppers particularly on uh, products that are $100, $150, even $50, Re- the, e- for in-store purchases, 60-ish percent of the time, if not more, they're doing research on .com before they make that in-store right. purchase. So it really is
0: one consistent message. Well, and if we're running into a recession, that also picks up during a recession. Uh, if you're going to scrutinize where you're spending dollars. And so, again, more research. So even if you've, you're selling products to Walmart that are at Walmart that are much lower than those price points. It still matters a lot on the journey. They yep. can find it, uh, transact. Well, and, and yeah, it. I think that's that's the interesting part where we've
2: been able to work, I think, well with our marketing team and challenge Walmart's marketing team to think differently is where, where does the customer start that search process? And I think arguably Google is a top place to start. So if somebody searches drill, what's going to come up? If someone searches heart drill, what's going to come up? and and that's where we have to win. We we may not win the drill search every time because other retailers or other brands might be spending a lot of money to make Mm -hmm. sure they win that spot. But if somebody searches a heart drill, the last thing we want to, for anything to come up is for a customer to go anywhere, but Walmart, Mm because you can only get it at Walmart. So we got to make sure that um, we're able to do that. And then ultimately we all have limited resources, Walmart included. So, you know, who's responsible for that? I mean, mm-hmm. Walmart would love us to pay for that. We'd love Walmart to pay for that, but that's part of the partnership challenge and opportunity that yeah. we have with them, which is, Hey, let's think about how you use your exclusive brand. How are you investing into it? And let us not overlap and be redundant. Right. Cause honestly, if you're both bidding on the same things, all you're doing is driving up <laughs> the cost, right. For, <laughs> yeah. for ourselves. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to do things very purposefully and uh, if, if it doesn't start with good communication and alignment on who's going to own what in terms of those activations and, and where you're supporting the brand, um, then you're going to yeah. be running in the wrong direction a lot of times. So that's where, again, I think we have a really unique opportunity to get better, but also very proud of what we have today, which is, you know, a lot of relationships in a lot of different functional areas within Walmart that a lot of suppliers don't do, whether because they just don't think to do it or maybe they don't have the access. So we're very lucky that we get to talk to Walmart inside of different functions that most companies typically would not. I, I love so the cool. quality discussion,
0: yeah. right? And being able to get ahead of art, right, where are we building? Where are we waning on customer trust? Um, you know, massive category disruption. And you were there from the beginning. So, I mean, talk to, talk to us, talk to our listeners about all right, what's it look like to start off on a journey to disrupt a category in a significant way. Yeah. You guys went from zero to, I think you said 120 items on that 20 volt or. Yeah. um, So, so we, we had zero
2: items at Walmart in 2019 and we launched over a period of like really only like three or four weeks Um, at the beginning of 2020, we launched 350 items. So I'd say in terms of scale of launch, it's
0: a lot,
1: it's a lot, right. And there's, (laughs) Items. That's a
0: pretty significant disruption. Yeah. And an
1: interesting time to launch 300 items is yeah, you that right when yeah, we'll <laughs> right we'll we'll COVID. I'll, I'll, let, the DIY I'll start, I'll start with there. all that. So, <laughs> you know, I think here,
2: here's here's what's really cool that I've learned uh, that's been very different for me than other companies work for is we are very customer focused. And I'm not talking the Walmart customer. Yes, we are that too, by the way. but. We are absolutely focused on making sure Walmart is serviced better than—we want them to look back on their experience with us and say, Mm -hmm. no one's ever moved as fast. No one ever invests the way that you do into our business to support us. And so that focus on winning with Walmart—because you got to win with them if you're going to win with their Mm -hmm. customers—we are relentless. Mm -hmm. It it is inexcusable to— let anything linger with Walmart to not air it out, to not move fast and move forward. And that's very different than other places I've been, you know, in the past you're protecting your brand and you're trying Mm -hmm. to be very careful about what the market implications would be if Walmart decided to do something different. And we have the good fortune of, we don't care. Like hearts nowhere else. What are you going to do? Like we're not, we're not upsetting anybody because we've got to win at Walmart. So if you think back to when we got, uh, the go forward from Walmart. And we started to understand the scale of the items that would be included in that launch. What it took on our side was a lot of work, obviously, and (laughs) and coordination, but as an example, um, we had to work 24 hours a day, and I mean that very literally, to deliver. So we delivered all of these items in less than a year. And these are brand new items with motors, UL certifications. um, It's complex. Everybody's businesses are complex. This one as well. And so what we would do, like as an, as an example, we would have a team uh, our engineering team working 10 to 12 hours on the development and they would have a one hour handoff to an engineering team in China. And it would, the engineering process was working 24 hours a day for a period of time. And so we resourced that because we were absolutely committed to doing this on time with quality, and I just never seen anything like it. The amount of investment—not just money, time, the focus—you know—that relentless uh, desire to sort of do it perfect—it it was really uh, eye-opening for me because you just don't get that with other companies because they're in the market; they want to sell to everybody typically. And so it started to make me understand this is what it takes to develop a relationship with a retailer with that type of customer is such a focus to win with them and to support them as opposed to, no, you guys need my brand because I'm doing this national launch. And if you don't have this item on an end cap, when I do this commercial, I mean, you your customers are going to call your CEO and tell them how frustrated they are. <laughs> Never, right? Like, that's not real, although that was the message you would always push. And you took it personally if they didn't want to support your new insight that was data delivered. You know, it was now more about, hey, we. what do you need? Let's go. And, you know, we, we have to say no to a lot of things. And there's still things today Walmart wants us to do that might not make sense. There's things we want to do with Walmart that they're going to have to say no to. But ultimately, um, you know, once we're aligned, we move really, really fast and we're fully focused on making
1: sure that we're successful. I know we're talking about category growth, but something just stood out to me that kind of off topic. But for the engineers to to work during the day here in the U.S. and then hand it off in the evening to China and then it's back and forth. That's a collaborative process. Mm -hmm. So there's no silos in that. Uh, there's 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 sharing there's there's non-possessiveness yeah uh, is that a kind of a core part of of the company yes that tts yes. yeah. um, unapologetically
2: we are we, we try to reduce all bureaucracy um we empower people to to move really fast that does create and force a lot of communication but i would i would say i've never been in a place where i had didn't have to worry about getting approval for things the way I have. Like we have a lot of autonomy to make decisions quickly. And um, ultimately though, that does take a lot of collaboration because if I'm going to make a quick decision, I have to let a lot of people know what that Mm -hmm. decision was so Mm -hmm. that they can be involved and do what part of their process is in that decision. But Yeah. um, yeah, so collaborative, yes, very much so. But at the same time, we're, we're, we're trying try to reduce all those redundancies and kind of overlap of meetings to kind of gain consensus and things like that. We're, we're really wanting to move fast. So yes, collaborative, but at the same time um, we have a lot of autonomy to move.
0: It's awesome. So from zero to over 350 items in, you know, a year um, from Walmart, maybe not seriously in these categories to taking a stand to, to be in the power tool business and to have what you need for the the pro and the semi-pro is how I'd like to refer to it. Um, Are you pro or semi, Charles? I'm for sure, like <laughs> less than semi. the <laughs> Semi-amateur. the Under under that, but have that sort of uh, deep loyalty. When I saw this program coming out, I was like, I'm buying heart products. I got to figure out what do I need? Let's go to the store and buy it. Um and at the time, you know, still at Walmart, and I felt like, yeah, guys, you guys have to try this stuff out. And I've been blown away. Like, it's been really good quality, although I, I yeah, I don't use them enough to say I'm a great uh, tester. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think one one of the things, though, speaking of
2: buying into the program early and stuff, I think we were starting to talk a little bit about it was, was the whole pandemic timing on our launch, yeah. right? So yeah. to, to go into that a little bit, we had, um, I guess it was week 53, tools launched, and depending on the region, uh, our outdoor business kind of launched on either side of that. And it was what week eight, somewhere in that time period, the world stopped. And, you know, we're sitting here thinking, okay, we've got the stores set. We're feeling pretty good. We got to watch sales. We're going to market the crap out of this thing. And then the world just stopped. And then obviously you fast forward, not only into 2020 into 2021, Mm -hmm. we couldn't make enough stuff. And we were in, Again, going back to, like, how do we service the customer? Um, if, if you think about the customer being Walmart or even the customer in, in the store or online, one of the things for us in the magic, which we've already talked about, is you've got to get them into the system. So if they come to the store, or they go online, and the product is not available, and they go somewhere else, we've lost that customer lost potentially forever. So our our sort of focus on service is nothing like I've ever seen before. But in the time of 2020, and particularly 2021, the amount of air freight and things we would yeah. do to ensure that we were meeting Walmart's demands was incredible. It was a little more affordable because you had great sales, and so all that kind of helps. But um, that was another example of, I've never seen a company move so fast. And if we saw, we would do these, we call them ladder plans, where you're kind of looking outward on your your forecast and your POS and what's Walmart going to order. The minute we would see something, the question would come up, can we air freight this? And the approval process on that in some companies might take mm, weeks, maybe longer. It would take minutes. Go. We're wow. done. And it was just a yes. And most of it was just because we weren't going to say no to anything. We were building a brand and we were, you know, we saw this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to call the pandemic a windfall, but in terms of consumption, we had to capitalize on that.
1: Well, it's a you know it's a known thing that uh, vacations got canceled and DIY took off. Absolutely, and so a lot of consumers came into the 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 tool market for the first time, or in a maybe in a meaningful way, and you had the opportunity to capture them for the rest of their life or lose them for the rest of their life.
2: Yeah, and and you know, as we look at market share since we've launched, you know, we've seen some good um, good momentum and that I think is largely in part to the fact that we recognized really really early on that we had to to support that. And one of the things we haven't talked about today, but we have we have a we have a field team, so we have it's it's really our leadership development program. So if you want to start with TTI, you typically start in the field calling on stores and it connects you to what the customers care about. It mm-hmm. connects you to how the retailers, uh, the last 100 feet, like, what's that all about? You know, how does a product move from the back room to the shelf? And what is the associates' experience with on hands? And like, our, the people that come in to our organization that were part of that leadership development program are great. And yeah. I've got people on my team that are from our Home Depot side. And I've got people on my team from the Walmart that were actually part of the heart. Launch, hmm. and um, it the the insights they give me as their manager is incredible. Like I can't tell you how many times, even myself or even a Walmart buyer might say, "Hey, what what would when you were talking to customers uh, when you guys were in stores, what do customers think about X, Y, and Z?" It's it's so meaningful. I mean, there, there's no there's no greater truth than the customers' right. you know opinion because that don't it they don't sugarcoat it. No, no, they do not. And so our our ability to get leadership through that has been you know really fundamental. But in terms of like the pandemic time, our ability to intercept customers in the aisle and teach them about this brand new program that was going to be there forever. Right. That was yeah. great. We could also educate the Walmart associates because the Walmart associates have seen the same thing mm-hmm. that the customers have. And by the way, almost every associate is a Walmart customer, right? and so those are people we had to win with. We had to not win with them just in POS. We love it when associates buy our products, but we had to make sure that they evangelized for us because as great as our field team is, they're not in stores every day. They're not able to talk to every customer in the aisle and ensure that they really recognize that there's a difference between potentially the two brands that are Mm -hmm. on the shelf, which one's going to give them the best long-term ability to have a great experience on their current project, but build out from there with other tools. If an associate yeah. knows that, they're not going to have them go anywhere but heart. So we're building advocates in the store with our team as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, the themes I'm hearing, it's customer trust, focus on that customer. Lots of customer obsession, uh, both on the the retailer as a partner, but also as you're thinking about the actual experience for the customer in the store, online, you know, as you look back at you know, possibly one of the most disruptive, uh, large-scale launches uh, within Walmart, and you look at the future, um, think of people you've been able to work with in the past on the supplier side and merchant side. Like, what, are the, what are some of the takeaways you have that you know you're going to do differently in the future based off of that experience? Yeah, I think um, you know, for for us, one of the one of the tough learnings has
2: been what what does Walmart's run rate look like and mm-hmm. what items are gonna resonate with the customer. So th- those are always the things you're evolving. We've made a lot of bets that have not paid off, but we've made a lot of bets that really have. And so I think honing in on what's the type of value that they're looking for, do they compare these tools to the market or are they comparing it to things next to them on the shelf? I think we're learning it's more the latter. So yeah, you got to win online, but it's not like you're comparing heart to heart. I mean, heart's only at Walmart. So you're comparing heart to maybe craftsmen. Okay. That's possible. But what we find more is they're comparing heart to Walmart's brand that might be there or another tool or something like that. So Mm -hmm. we've got to make sure that we're not just always running the same play that you might see a home center run because we've got a very unique set of circumstances and you know, the example I always share, uh, whether it's with Walmart or my own team, is at Walmart, HyperTough is their brand. And that's a it's not just opening price point. I mean, of course it is, but they're they're focused on making that a, a good quality proposition for their customers. So we have to compete with that. At the home centers, whether it's Craftsman or Ryobi. That's their hyper tough. Mm-hmm. That's where they start. <laughs> so you think about AUR and all these other things. So, but but it's really about the customer. So If a customer walks into a home center, if they're going to buy OPP, which we know from a unit perspective in any category, that's mm-hmm. usually where the volume is. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the dollars, but certainly the unit volume. If you're going to go to a, a a Lowe's, I like to use them because I don't want to talk about my own company and <laughs> get in trouble there, but. Your starting point is Craftsman, and those retails are the highest retails at Walmart. So we just have to win differently. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to tell the customer about the quality differences, the performance differences, the amount of tools that you can get into. So we've got to attract customers
0: a much different way. And I think some people are surprised that Walmart is different. Um, I know, but you've, you've had some experience and are able to make sure that you you treat, you have to understand the context in which you're selling and Walmart's a different beast than Sam's uh, certainly different than home centers. And. Yeah. And I think
2: for us too, we, we would, you know, lean heavily on our home center experience. And so when, when they were setting up the team here, I think one of the best things we did was had the foresight to recognize you have to have a local team mm-hmm. because Walmart is so different. Yeah. Not just their customer, but how, how do you talk to them? How do you interact? How do you um, you know, collaborate with merchants or the quality team or the marketing team completely different. So, you That's know, awesome. it's really important to have people here understand what's important to walmart and that's the only way you can win so yeah i think those that's the thing we probably did right is we developed a really great team here early on love it um you know i don't want to get too much into our leadership but i think they have some really great connections not just within walmart but within the community that have allowed us to tap into really good talent so we feel you know really really fortunate to have the team we have, but a lot of that comes with an element of experience Mm -hmm. because you have to sort of know how to navigate that. And then we infuse it with our leadership development program. So those are two things that have been really helpful for us because we have a really great foundational knowledge of Walmart stores, the customer use, the things they're looking for when they're doing projects. And we can bring that into a professional selling environment. And and then you have people like me who, um, you know, can, Teach people how to do V lookups. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, get it. Got to yeah. have some Excel wizardry on That's your way. Right. Uh, what's your
2: favorite power tool? Great question. I I have probably a couple different ones, and they they tend not to be the core ones. I, I love our core tools; they're really great. Um, I'd, I'd throw two out there that are kind of for me fun. We have a um, a portable power sprayer, vehicle sprayer. Charles has also bought one. And the beauty it's is awesome. you can you can hook it up to your hose or you can dip it into a lake and it will siphon out. Oh, and wow. so if you're, for us, we like to mountain bike. So if you go on a mountain bike adventure and your bike's dirty at the end of it, you can throw it into the creek and just wash your bike right there. And I think the versatility of that is amazing. Um, that's kind of a fun one. And there's also another automotive one. We have inflators. And so you just think about cold weather and the the you know your tire pressures go down and you get the warning indicator so just being able to pump your tires up in five seconds at home without having to go to a gas station in the rain incredible. or the snow yeah <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> um for me it's the the blower an electric blower because you know we use that to clean out the garage blow off the deck and with a gas like i'm gonna have to shower Immediately, because yeah. you smell—you just smell so much like gas. Now I just smell, you know, kind of stinky, but not like gas. Thanks to the right. do it with heart. Yeah, that's that's a topic
2: we didn't get into. My, maybe for the next time, next unless time. you want to talk more about gas. But yeah, I mean, a big part of um, you know our platform is is the zero emissions part, which is pretty fun. And and I think I'll you know I'll, I'll say here's another one of my favorite items, although it's a third. It's, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, I mean we've got a riding lawnmower. Do you it's really? 80 volt it's our we have a couple battery platforms primarily 40 volt is one that does more of the mowers and, and mm-hmm. some of the bigger blowers if you need a little more power but we do have one riding lawnmower and if you if the blades aren't engaged it's as quiet as a golf cart it's it's silent and it never needs gas you know you don't need to store or winterize um how long does the charge last uh i like well i do my yard i'm on about an acre probably mow about a half of an acre and then i mow the lot and my neighbor's yard i mow the, the yard for them as well and i have no issues getting through that so I, I think it'll do up to like three quarters of an acre i'd have to probably fact check that claim but the the beauty is it's like almost silent and then when the blade's running it sounds maybe a little louder than a box fan and so just yeah. noise pollution is something yeah. that we're completely reducing
0: plus and, you can listen to this podcast while you're mowing. that's right that's right and, and
2: Without blowing it, but it is you know i think in terms of that greater aspiration to reduce emissions, I mean California is already going there. You, you're not going to buy a pressure washer, or a gas pressure washer in California next year, hmm. so those are things that are just going to have to move in that direction. But it, it's interesting, and I would just say take a look down your street. Uh, I mean, you're probably starting to see a lot less Absolutely. gas mowers, a lot less yeah. gas
0: blowers, and so come to Walmart, get a heart. That's right, electric mower. It's going to be a great value. And uh, it's going to last a long time, and they're not going to swap the battery on you. Yep. And
1: your neighbors will thank you for your neighbor's, down noise pollution. You
2: can mow at 3 a.m.
0: or or 9
1: p.m. and you won't. Yeah. no one will even know you're doing which it, which is super weird. It is kind of weird, yeah. and they've got
2: lights on. them. Yeah. So. They
1: have lights on. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get to the lightning round here. What what uh, what's on your reading list? Uh, well, that's a great one. I just read uh, Rick
2: Rubin's new book, uh, Creative Act, and that was so cool. In fact, I. Bought a couple uh, books and sent them to to some of our leadership just because Love I it. I equated that to to breakthrough leadership and you know p- part of it is very artist based but uh, one Rick Rubin is a very very cool dude and if you ever have seen him or heard him uh, his approach to to creativity is very unique and I'd say that book is even for a business person, which I don't love business books as maybe some of (laughs) others, but, um, that was one of my favorite books I've read. And maybe one of the few times I've gone and
1: bought one to gift. It's a really cool, cool book. Awesome. Um, what do you do to relax? Sounds like you mountain bike and you read Rick Rubin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got, so I've got three kids and
2: they are, uh, pretty self-sufficient we we do have a daughter with special needs and so like we're just outside all the time because she's in a wheelchair it's so like our our happy place is being outside and, and that's always kind of been my thing and you know i'm fortunate to have a wife that does the same thing and so we have um every minute we can we we're we're either walking or if i can be biking or skiing i've i've been lucky enough to have a group of friends uh, we've got a text chain with about thirty people on it. Charles is on it
1: as well. Yep,
2: old men struggling. It, yeah, it used to be old men shredding, and then I decided <laughs> to break a collarbone. <laughs> we've downgraded <into> <laughs> to struggle. So
1: is that that's uh, snow skiing or water?
2: Snow skiing. Snow yeah. Skiing. Okay. So so just yeah, anything outdoors. It's just absolutely calls me, and it's a great brain drain to just get rid of daily stress, uh, but really connect with something that's you know pretty special and. Yeah. Living where we do, I mean, my my goodness, like yeah. you just couldn't have more access to it. When yeah. is
0: the Heart uh, e-bike coming out? Yeah. <laughs> Can't <laughs> talk about that, okay. Yeah. We we will not be making one. No, no e-bike, uh, okay. okay.
1: Well, Jack, thank you so much for for coming out today. It's been great to get to know you a little bit and to hear yeah. what Hart has done and is doing to the power tool category at Walmart. Yeah, appreciate that. A lot Absolutely. of fun. And as always, thank you all for joining us on The Retail Journey. You are invited to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Also, we'd love for you to reach out to us either through our website or on LinkedIn. Give us your thoughts, suggestions, comment on uh, the things you've heard here today. And you can find all of our episodes on our website at highimpactanalytics.com. Thank you.